Welcome to Evolve. My name is Brandon Silver and I believe that evolution of the world requires evolution of the individual. I believe entrepreneurs are consistently changing that world and we always will be. So with this show I will bring you the people and ideas with tools necessary to hack your growth in your business and your life. Together let's ask the world's biggest question, build businesses to solve them, and live happy and fulfilling lives in the process. It's time to evolve. Hey everyone, welcome to Evolve. Today's guest believes that you should never underestimate the power of a compelling story, and he definitely fits the bill. Starting skill acquisition at the age of four, he played the cello for 25 years, performing in venues around the world, including Carnegie Hall. Determined not to be a starving artist and taking the advice of his cello teacher to learn business, he broke into Wall Street as an investment banker by self-acquiring skills online sending out 19,000 emails to prospective employers and crashing career fairs. But after three years in banking and contemplating getting a traditional MBA, he started connecting with VCs over Twitter and seeing the uh, direction of tech as the core of the future. Knowing his powerful abilities for self-teaching any skill, he quit his job, bought a one-way ticket to San Francisco, and leveraged his keen abilities for skill acquisition and bootstrap relationship building in order to land a startup position in three weeks at Alt School. Writing out a step-by-step blog entitled Breaking Into Startups, the article went viral with millions of views and thousands emailing to ask how he broke into the guarded culture of the tech world. Through his highly acclaimed podcast, Breaking Into Startups, which has a social reach of over 3 million people, 200,000 downloads, and a thriving community of 10,000 plus people, he has been sharing inspiring stories and stereotype crushing knowledge of people with non-traditional backgrounds like veterans, single parents, people who never graduated from high school or college, immigrants, and people that were even formerly incarcerated and how they are all breaking into tech. He has shared his own story of cellist turned investment maker and turned tech startup aficionado in publications such as CBS, TechCrunch, Product Entrepreneur Magazine, and Black Enterprise, and featured in an array of podcasts, including Masters of Scale, along start- startup juggernaut Sarah Blakely, Brian Chesky, and Gwyneth Petrol. I'm honored to welcome the co-founder and CEO of Y Combinator-backed Career Karma, co-host of Breaking Into Startups, and someone who went from saying he wanted to be a billionaire to wanting to help a billion people, Ruben Harris. Wow, Brandon, that's probably like the best, the best intro I've ever heard. I need to like, like copy that one and take it with me somewhere else. That's really good. Thank. I'm, I'm really, honestly, I'm, I'm more honored to be here, man. I'm a big fan of what you stand for, what you're working on. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, it is easy to write the bio when you have such an amazing story and are doing so many great things. And uh, one of the things I actually want to dive into first in your story is you being a cello player since you're four years old and how learning the cello helped prepare you for entrepreneurship. Yeah. I mean, before starting the cello, I was part of um, Montessori School, okay. um, which is where I first discovered the cello. Um, I don't know if you know about Montessori, but Montessori is like a very, it's like over a hundred year old education system where a Maria Montessori understood the universal innate characteristics in human psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, they really wanted to teach children um, uh, different things around like abstraction, activity, communication, exactness, exploration, um, manipulation of your environment mm-hmm. uh, while still being mindful of your environment. So like not in a damaging way, yeah. order. Uh, repetition, self-perfection. Um, and 
I've always been independent while being conscious of my community in a collaborative way. Um, and so at the cellist, you know, there's um, my mom, when she met my cello teacher, who was actually offering violin lessons at the Montessori school, um, the teacher told her that she does play the cello and that my mother had to commit to lessons for a year. Mm. So like a lot of times children say, I don't like this and they're going to quit. But a lot of times kids don't know what they want. Right. Um, and so, you know, and a lot of times, you know, they, they decide not to do something that actually could have been good for them. Um, and so she had to commit to a year. So that was one thing. And then in every single lesson, my mother had to be in the rooms taking mm-hmm. notes. So it was like, it's a model of a student, a teacher, and a parent yeah. triangle. The philosophy is every child can. So the, the mindset is, is you don't have to be born a prodigy in order to become a great musician. You just need to put discipline into this this work and you can figure it out. And what's interesting about the cello um, is that a lot of times people start off with music theory, um, but what they, we did Suzuki philosophy first by Dr. Sinichi Suzuki. And what you do is you, you have a series of books. And so you listen to all the songs in the book, just like you would in the radio before you even start playing. And then when you start learning, you start learning how to, uh, what the strings are and what their addresses are. So mm. like if it's A, one on A, two on A, three on A, blah, blah. And then you, when you're practicing on your own at home with your parents, even if you don't know music theory, because you've heard it, you'll know if it's wrong and if you're practicing it wrong. So you can like self, self-correct yourself because you've, you've heard what it looks like. You've, heard, you've seen it played by your teacher, blah, blah, blah. And over time, you learn the theory. And it's very similar to um, learning a language. Like most people, pretty much everybody learns how to speak before they learn how to read. Right. And so if you think about it very similar to coding or even with the coding bootcamp, uh, these coding boot camps um, that are training people to become software engineers in a short amount of time, they focus on exactly what the companies need. And so they teach you that skill set They the and you get a job. But these individuals don't have the depth of the theory that they need. But when they're in the job, then they're getting paid to learn and they understand the theory after that. So I think that philosophy has been something that carries has carried me through um, out my lifetime working in multiple different careers, like you said, um, I think, um, um, in addition to skill set, I think understanding the language, um, it, of, of the environment is important and the lingo, understanding how to dress all the nonverbal communication that's necessary. Um, and a lot of, a lot of other things, but I think, you know, cello has essentially, um, taught me how to do whatever it is that I wanted to do work in groups, even if I'm the best, I can't always be loud. So learn how to, um, you know, bow out or be humble in certain situations. Right. Just let let other people shine. Um, not just run through a bunch of pieces that you know how to play way, well and focus on the pro- problem spots. Um, set goals that stretch you every single week. And I talk a lot to, when I was teaching students, I used to tell my students that said that, why, why do I want to learn the cello? Why is this helpful for me? I would say the ability to play the, the uh, instrument well is a byproduct of the life skills that you're learning. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a life teacher. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the major life skills that you have cultivated um, and through your entire career is this idea of overcoming odds and really breaking through barriers. And you've wrote extensively about, you know, breaking into Wall Street and then breaking into tech. And so tell me what drove you um, through those phases of your life to break through those barriers. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, like, as a child, I never, I never suffered from lack of confidence. So like I, I think part of that comes from the cello because like I thought some everything was always possible. Um, I think a lot of that comes from my father because my father's like he's black but he speaks Spanish, Portuguese, French, Chinese, and he wow. just like learns it on the side and he just like sets his mind on doing things and just like happens. Um, so I think I, I took a lot of those traits. Um, but I think. What I understood, like going back to like the Montessori and just like the environment um, and like manipulation of the environment. It's like, if you think about the environment, if I'm running an organization, I have a natural screen to try to identify people that I want for roles, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And that screen is imperfect always, right? Like if I'm looking for people with four years experience from this background, blah, 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 blah. A lot of times you're going to hire somebody that just came from referral internally. Right. Um, but you still have the screen anyway, because out of the thousands of emails, you want to try to find someone that can do the job. Right. Right. And so I've always understood the importance of recruiters or the importance of screens. Um, but I've also understood that there's a lot of people that don't meet that perfect description that can do the job as well. Mm. Right? Yeah. So going back to the, going back to the music analogy, um, you know, there's arguably more talented musicians outside of the music industry than are signed to a label. Mm-hmm. Right? And the biggest challenge that they have is like playing their music for the right person right. to show that they're great. Right. And you have to figure out a way around that to do it. And like growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, I would leverage my space and I would hit up a bunch of producers and say, real strings are better than keyboard strings um, and all kinds of other things in order to get my way into the places. But it wasn't in a manipulative way, even though I use that word. It wasn't in a, in a uh, let me think about it. It wasn't in a negative I wasn't trying to do anything bad. I was just showing, trying to show them that I'm the best thing that you never heard of, mm. right? And when I say I'm the best thing, it's not me being better than anybody else. It's about essentially um, being the best that I could ever be, right? Every single one of us is great. Every single one of us is unique. And the first thing that I mastered was convincing myself that I'm good. Mm. If I'm not convinced that I'm good, then Nobody else is going to believe that. And so I think because of that, I've been able to do a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, You have a fantastic quote that I really love. And it goes, comfort is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows here. Um, What was going on in your life or in your own thoughts when you decided to take the big leap and career transition from, you know, that comfy investment banker position that you had to buying a one-way ticket to San Francisco? to move to San Francisco. Um, so when I was in school, 
um, like you said before, I got into investment banking. Right? It was actually 1,900 emails, not 19,000. However, over time, I, I probably sent out over 19,000 emails before. Um, but anyway, um, when I was in school, everybody wanted to get into um, finance or consulting. Then I realized that um, it was really important for us to um, understand what was going on in technology because mm-hmm. technology was taking over every single industry. And we started seeing seeds of that when we were um, in um, in the Atlanta Financial Center and across the street, there was the Atlanta Tech Village and they were organizing these like tech meetups all the time. And there was like ATDC at Georgia Tech and then there was Tech Square Labs and all these things popping up. We're like, man, this looks like a pretty crazy wave that's happening. And then like all these big billion dollar companies were were popping up. Um, and it, I wasn't really impressed about the dollar signs. I was just like, nothing will be the same. It's like, they're like, everything's going to be connected and most people aren't, aren't preparing for that. Mm-hmm. So because I, I have a natural desire to help other people. Like I really enjoy seeing other people become greater than me. I was like, well, I need to figure this thing out and master the system and then put myself in position to sound the alarm for others and then help them level up. This, we didn't have the idea for a career combat at the time, but we, we just knew we want to start a company. We actually want to start a real estate company because housing has always been a big issue for people. Right. Um, so my co-founders, Archer and Timor, who I met in Atlanta, Georgia, um, they decided to become software engineers. They decided to do coding boot camps, um, Hack Reactor, Math Academy. And uh, this was in the beginning of the boot camp industry. Um, and then I decided that I was going to be... Um, the guy who focuses on distribution um, and sales and like CEO type stuff. Um, so yeah, that was the decision. And rather than working at it, like starting our own company immediately, we decided to learn the system first because most companies fail and work for three years before we started our own thing, which is what we did. Yeah. And so now you're on a mission to, you know, show that it doesn't matter what background or struggles that you've been through. It only matters what you can do. Um, and so you've been empowering people with education and skill sets and a mindset really to do that. Um, but one of the things that you started with was this idea of building yourself. And so tell me what it means to build, you know, the first product of yourself. Mm. Oh, that's a good question. I think um, the first step about building yourself, the first product of yourself is, is focusing first on the things that you're grateful for about yourself, the things that you are happy about with yourself, like the things that like other people don't have or like what makes you unique. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when I think about that, I think that it's super important to never forget who you are, even during a process of reinvention. And as you change or as you evolve, keep that core true throughout the system. Um, I think I've said this before, but Jay-Z says a great quote that says, people look at you strange and say you change like you work that hard to stay the same, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're always going to have growth, right? Mm-hmm. Because challenges like give you growth and then growth gives you life, you know? Then what I would say is, as you're going through this process, to really never forget what your roots are um, and really understand the um, 
the keys that that you've been taught. Like every 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 single every single experience that you've been through happened for a reason. Mm. And if you're trying your best, <clears throat> then things and they didn't work out, then it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't the right time. Um, but if you're not trying your best, then like you need to figure out what where the gaps are. Okay. So that's that's one thing. Um, I would say the second thing that I think about as after you like after you understand what you're good at and what you're not good at is decide what you want to do, but more importantly, why you want to do that. Mm. Right. Like Simon Sinek, everybody talks about like the power of why. Right. Um, if I want to become a software engineer, if I want to do this, if I want to do that, it all comes down to like things that are deeper than money. Right. Because money is not an end, it's a means. Right. And that why is it going to be the thing that drives you to break through walls. Right. Whenever you're inevitable, whenever you're doing anything that's worth doing, whenever you're doing anything that's challenging, you're inevitably going to run into dark times. Right. right? And what's going to push you through the dark time and make the story great, which we talked about in the beginning, is that why, is that struggle, um, and that reminder of why you are fighting through this situation and why you have to get back up after you got knocked down, right? Right. Like Creed. Right. right? Anybody watch Creed? Yeah. And so I think that um, it's simple stuff, but complicated at the same time. I think those are the first couple steps right there. Um, I would also say outside of technical skills, really focusing on constant work of your body, your emotions, and your spirit. I think that that mental strength, the emotional strength, and the spiritual strength are actually way more powerful than, than anything intellectual. Absolutely. And I think the, you have to treat yourself and sort of your body in that emotional, mental, all of that as sort of like your vessel for whatever your why is, your mission. And the more that you can keep that, um, you know, up to par and um, really out there performing, then you can carry on that why that you have um, every single day. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, so how do you go about the process of skill acquisition um, to start building those technical things? Yeah, I think, first of all, you have to think deeply about what you want to do. Um, and it's difficult to understand that if you grew up where people have never done the thing that you're trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not your parents' fault or your environment's fault. That's just like the card that you were dealt, right? So you got to explore, right? Going back to Montessori, right? So you got to explore the world. You got to explore, um, you know, the different fields that exist in technology or that are not even being taught in college, like product management or growth or whatever, right? right? And once you understand the field that people have, you want to understand the path or the, the field that you want. You have to understand the path into it. And ideally, you want to find people that you can talk to that have done it before, mm -hmm. that are currently doing it, or that are trying to get into it. Okay. And the reason why you do that is because a lot of times the skills that they have learned aren't taught at traditional education institutions. So you want to figure out where they went to learn those skills, right? Because um, those skills don't always take years and years to learn, but they are taught to select groups of people, mm. right? And so um, 
once you've identified where people have gone to get those skills, then you focus on getting that skill set. And while you are getting those skills, you want to start training your mind to understand the lingo, right? And you want to start understanding um, the schedules. You want to understand how that role works with other people, right? Going back right. to like the group cello training, you want to understand how you're going to use the superpower to solve, like add value to the organization, whether it's solving problems or making it better, right? And um, you also want to know how it's going to help you financially and, that, mm. and how it's going to ultimate, ultimately help you um, with your future goal, right? If, if your goal is to be X, you know, how does Y give you something that you need in order to get to that, to that goal? Uh, which at the end of the day, it's about your purpose right? and, and, and what you feel like you were made to do on this earth. Mm. I think we, I'm spiritual. So I, like, I think we were all here for, we're all here for a reason. We all have a purpose and we all have talents. Um, and so it's very important for us to develop those talents, not bury those talents. Right. And so, um, I think that's that's my process for for spiritual, um, for skill acquisition, um, and once I've started um, on the process of learning the skill set, uh, which is very similar to like career karma, like you want to become a software engineer, we match you with the right coding bootcamp, which is the the training program. We'll put you in a, a squad of about the twenty people like you that are doing the same thing, um, that can help you get through the process. Of, of getting into the training program, staying in the training program, and finding a job um, because most jobs are offline and come through the world. We can help you navigate that and have a support system for life. Yeah. And one of the big things for you um, and sort of your superpower as you were going through your journey was creating and leveraging relationships and creating this, uh, what you call a, you know, board of life advisors. Um, and mm -hmm. so why is it so important to surround yourself with those like-minded people with those positive influences? Well, there's no such thing as a self-made person, right? People like journalists, especially love, even individuals themselves love calling themselves self-made, right? But there's no such thing as that, right? Like whether, whether it's a thing that shaped you, right? Like your, whether it's your environment that shaped you, whether it's like, situations that shaped you is like it's not like it all came from you right right like it's we and most of the time somebody else or another human being shaped who you are right and so when i think about who i want to be i think that having peers and mentors that are on my current path is important but having a personal board of directors that have skill sets that are in my current field or outside of my current field is super valuable because you always want to have fresh perspectives, mm. right? You always want to have insights that can break your current form of thinking. And the reason why that's important is because as you're growing something or scaling a startup, right, you're going to hit new milestones ideally every day let's say every month, right? I could tell you this was our best month so far, yeah. right? But if I keep doing what I've been doing to get to this month, I'm just going to keep hitting this number, right? Right. So what I got to do to get to the next level is keep all the things that are going to be important that I did to get to this milestone, but also break all the things that I need to do 
in order and and rebuild new processes in order to get to the next milestone, right? And a lot of times those breakthrough ideas is comes from other people. And I'll give you an example. This is gonna sound <clears throat> kind of cocky, but I didn't <clears throat> I didn't say it. They said it. So like I, I shared I shared what um I shared what I told you about this being our best month um, with someone yesterday, and she was like, um, "She's not in tech. She's in the nonprofit world." She was like, "Ruben, you're the goat," and I was like, um, "I don't want to be the goat. I'm trying to help other people be greater than me." And she was like, "You're the goat herder." I said, like, "Oh, I like that. Nice. I like that. That's yeah. better, right?" So it's like, I want to make other people great, right? And I want to create one of the greatest companies of all time. And the reason why it's one of the greatest companies of all time is like it's self-sustaining, but also supports other people to be greater than me. And it's a trusted community of people that hold each other down for life. Mm. You know, I'm not teaching people how to um, work for companies. I'm teaching people how to work for each other, right? I'm teaching people to to love themselves, mm. right? I'm teaching people to love other people, to love their environment, you know, to, to really build. And I, I know it sounds super touchy-feely, and it is, like we're human beings. Right. In this world of technology, we forget that, you know, and I can't help a billion people without technology, but I also can't forget about humanity either. So, yeah, I think yeah. I think it's important to look at that side as well, especially as um, we look at the work field now. I think it's like 70 to 75 percent of people like hate going to their job every day. And so if you remove that humanity aspect from, you know, what you're teaching people, you're just going to perpetuate the system. But if you're able to bring that in together and, you know, set them up for life with a support system with skills that they're going to be able to use in the upcoming industries. I think that is a much better off, you know, path than we were given before. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so tell me a little bit about this process of building this, you know, board of advisors for yourself. Um, I know you go at like building relationships by starting with value and, you know, not expecting anything in return. And so what kind of other things can we do to build these relationships? It's tough, right? Cause like I'm a natural like networker, quote unquote, but I don't, I don't like to think about it like that because I just like people. I like to understand their stories mm-hmm. and I like to know how I can help them do their own thing. Right. And what's interesting about that is like, I don't do things with an expectation in return. Right. I just do things cause I think you're cool and I want to help you do better. And a lot of people, when you go into a networking room, it's like, what do you do? What do you do? Blah, 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 right. blah. Oh, that's what you're working on. That's what you're working on. Let's work together. And like, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But like, for me, I think because I've kind of like not expected things in return and I've just like added value, even to people that have not done right by me and treated me not in the best way. Mm -hmm. If you keep putting out positive energy, things happen. So my personal board of directors, I didn't like ask them to be on my personal board of directors. Like, there's a couple people that I have asked to be my mentor, but like, I also don't think that that's like the best approach either. I think the best approach is like establishing really strong friendships where every time you talk to them, advice is shared and you check in with them one to four times a year. Right. I think um, for people that are thinking about building a personal board of directors, I actually find really good ones through books. I've been reading a lot. Like, 
being in the Bay Area, a lot of the books that I read, a lot of people live here. It's crazy. Like one of the books I'm reading is called, well, I just read it the second time. It's called The Starfish and the Spider and the Unstoppable Power of Leaderless Organizations. Um, and the, the, the authors of the book, they live here. And that book is one of the most fascinating books I've ever read. Um, because essentially the idea is like, if you attack a spider at its head, it dies. If you attack a spider and you split it in half, it creates, uh, you attack a starfish and split it in half, it creates two starfish, right? So like, you can't kill it. And I, it's like V for Vendettas. Like ideas are bulletproof and ideas never die. Yeah. Right? You, could, you, can, you can kill me, but Kurokama will still rise because we got squad leaders. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so the positive energy will never stop flowing through the world. And so I, wanna, I want to meet these people that technically aren't in tech, but have done all these analysis off of communities like Wikipedia, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, the Apache tribes, um, Al-Qaeda even, right? Just to understand how decentralized organizations work. Um, and so I think going back to being curious and exploring things, explore skill sets that are outside of your own that may not seem related to the path that you're trying to do that you think that could be beneficial and just reach out to them. There's a lot of power in cold emailing um, and connect to them on a personal level, not just a professional level. Um, I always, I always try to, do as much research about the, uh, the person's upbringing to see what I could connect with that most people wouldn't normally connect with, hmm. um, like, like a neighborhood or like a uh, sport like tennis or, or um, a type of food that they like um, that you also like um, that's close to you because connecting on a real personal level is going to be what sets you apart. It's like, oh, wow, you from Atlanta? I'm from Atlanta too. That's great. Nice to connect. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that's how I think about it. No, yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, when you can bring a more human approach, I think so much in entrepreneurship, we're trying to look for that win or what we can get from other people. And so getting that uh, just human approach of we're all here to help each other out because, you know, in the end, we're building each other up. We're all trying to reach the same goals, um, I think is a good way to go about it. Um, yeah. How, do you, how has uh, podcasting helped you in this networking and building relationships? Um, podcasting has helped me learn how to listen, but also learn how to speak. Mm -hmm. I, I think that like a lot of people start podcasts to be famous. Um, we started podcasts because we wanted to build a platform for people that were like us to be able to share their voice and most importantly, give tactical advice so that anybody that listened to even just one podcast episode had an action item to reach the same level as that individual, mm. right? A lot of times we hear these stories that are larger than life about billionaires and um, celebrities and athletes and movie stars that are awesome and they're inspiring. It's like, wow, Black Panther was awesome. All right, so what you gonna do now? Right. Are you gonna buy Black Panther gear, right? How cool would it have been if like, at the end of the Black Panther movie that was based in Oakland, that that STEM center actually had a real address that you could pull up on. Yeah. That would be cool. That would be cool. Right. So you can make billions of dollars and have billions of people pull up on the STEM center. Yeah. And you probably would have done something really cool for the neighborhood. Right. So we've always been focused on creating media that elevates the individual that's viewing, watching, or reading it. Right. 
mm-hmm. or listening to it, viewing, listening, mm-hmm. or reading it, right? And listening to people also helped us understand the pain points that they went through because we've been through multiple career transitions ourselves, going through boot camps and through finance and through all kinds of fields like education, healthcare, um, car industry, all kinds of things like that. Um, and so we could be like, all right, we know everything about a career transition and just like base everything that we do in career karma on our own experience. But, you know, as we stay focused on our North Star of helping people make their most important career decisions and choose the best bootcamps for them, um, it's very important for us to recognize that our struggle is not other people's struggle. Like the way a mom struggles is different than the way a dad struggles. That's different than the way a veteran struggles and all the other people that you mentioned at the intro. And so doing these episodes helps us understand people's pain so that we can build solutions for them. Um, and those pain points are things that other people in the world share and we can grow in that regard. So I'll say that's important. Listening to myself on a podcast is also helpful because I can work on different things uh, like voice tone or speaking slow or um, understanding if I'm talking too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that a lot. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that I'm learning as a leader is the importance of communication. I still ramble a lot. I still um, am not precise on on exactly what we do um, for the right audience. Like, So I can say my one-liner for investors and my one-liner for customers, my one-liner for users, my one-liner for my parents, right? So everybody can understand it, but it slightly tweaks all the time um, as we learn more and as we get more and more mature and as we evolve. Yeah, I think that's huge. Um, I actually do the same practice. I will uh, cue in my own podcast with other podcasts that I'm listening to mm-hmm. just so I can get that feedback loop going mm-hmm. um, to you know better my own self and as well mm-hmm. as start to concrete some of my own ideas so I can get them more clear when I'm speaking them because I do... Um, solo content episodes between the interview episodes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i've seen that podcasting help a lot yeah it was super awesome Mm -hmm. um so i want to go back to this mentality that you brought up earlier which was um when you were reaching out to people and something didn't happen you had this mentality it wasn't meant to be or it wasn't the right time and so i want to know how you balance this idea with also taking control of your own life and writing your own story? Yeah, I mean, a question I like to ask when people download Career Karma and, and are in the CEO kickoff is like, do you feel like you control events or events are controlling you? Mm-hmm. People have different answers. And the fact of the matter is, is that there are things that we can control in life and things that we can't control. And if you think about life as a fight, The best thing that you can do to prepare for something that's unpredictable, which is a fight, is what? To be ready to train. To train, right? But even if you train for any scenario, you can still get sucker punched. Right. Because you you can't predict everything. You can train as much as you can. You can't predict everything, but some people catch you off guard. Mm. Right. You could be fully trained, but if you are off guard, which happens sometimes, then life will hurt you, right? Or um, if you're caught off guard and, you know, fast forward in the future, 
um, you know, you get out of that scenario during that time that you were slipping, caught slipping, you will never do that again because you know how to stay on guard for that type of scenario. Right. Like whether you're walking at night and you're always checking the corners or whatever, whatever it is, like whatever thing that you slipped up on, you're not going to do it again. And you're going to see that situation again in the future. And a lot of times the mistakes that you've been through are mistakes that you had to go through. So you don't do them again in the future. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, um, when I first moved to San Francisco and I've said this before, um, I was, frustrated during those first three weeks trying to get that first job and the lift driver told me Ruben you know there's things that we can control and we can't control in life the only thing they can do is wake up with a smile do your best and watch the movie right Shakespeare has a great quote where he says all the world is a stage and all the men and women are merely players and one man or woman in this time plays many parts his or her acts being seven ages right and so if you think about the world as a stage and you are on the stage of life. Like we're on the stage right now mm-hmm. and we're watching each other in the audience. Will we be proud of what we're doing? Will we be inspired by what we're doing? Would we understand that even though there's a dark time happening right now, there's still a rest of the movie, right? If you're watching a movie, it's not going to just end in darkness most of the time. There's some twisted movies that will end and it's just like dark and it's just like, what the F, right? But for the most part, if there's a dark time, it's usually, and and sometimes if it is a dark ending, it's like a beautiful tragedy tragedy Mm. or whatever. It's like a self-sacrificial thing to someone else. Don't do that at home. (laughs) (laughs) And so whenever you're going through situations that are hard, Try to figure out what the lesson is. And so I like to say as well, and I probably said this or tweeted this where it comes from Mano as a rapper. He says, um, pain comes from the same place your power comes from. Mm -hmm. If you are going through a situation that's trying you or testing you really hard, then that situation can actually unlock a whole new power level out of you, right? When Goku is getting his, his butt whooped by a bunch of people, and he seems like he's on his last leg. He he goes super saiyan on yeah. <laughs> And his hair changes colors and he starts going off. Right? Yeah. Then you then you feel the wrath of the Kamehameha. Right? Right. So whenever you are going through a dark time, just remember that's for preparation for you to become a super saiyan. Mm. Yeah. Does this come from and Super Saiyans are real? <laughs> Does this come from your idea of uh, being ready for war? Um, I think is how you. Yeah. Yeah. Being ready for war. I mean, like life isn't easy. Right. So if we all have the understanding that life isn't easy, but we're just going to sit back and just react to what life gives us, you're never going to break out of the cycle mm. ever. Right. So like to your point, if I'm getting my behind, whooped all the time if i'm getting bullied every day what do i have to do i have to learn how to like be strong and like fight back right or move to a different school which is totally fine sometimes you don't have that option sometimes you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta turn the situation around Mm. you know um and that's a question i definitely do 
prefer the mindset of like turn the other cheek. I'm not a perfect Christian. Like so, but I, I do believe in fighting, right? I do believe in like learning how to how to defend yourself. You know, and I think that like um I think that fighting or like I'm really into jujitsu. I, I haven't been training in the last couple of months because I I um I injured my shoulder. Mm. But I like what you realize about like the the best fighters is that they're not going around kicking people's behind, right? They like they're comfortable in their own skin. A lot of times they're unassuming. You would never even know that they're black belts. A lot of times they're older and they train every day. They train harder than the junior people, which is awesome, awesome. And they're always ready, right? So learning how to fight is not about kicking everybody's behind. I was really into Ninja Turtles when I was little, and um, it's just about just being ready for life. And so, whenever a situation comes, that you have the instinct in it. And so, same type of thing with coding or learning an instrument or, um, you know, going through boot camp or trying to get a job is like if you've done a mock interview, if you've practiced getting ready for uh, a missions interview, if you have run into a similar problems, whenever you get into um, the job, you're going to know what to do, or you're going to know how, you're going to know the path of how to get to where you want to go. And what we tell people when they're like, oh, what's the best language to learn? What, you know, should I do front end or back end or full stack? We tell them like not to stress out none of that, like to really focus on what outcome you want and what is your own learning style, right? Mm -hmm. Understand the concepts um, and then keep that in mind because you're inevitably going to have to learn new things and you're going to, you're going to go through a lot of physical and psychological development through this process. Um, usually the physical development <clears throat> happens faster when you're younger, when you're older, you know, you're still going to be changing physically and you're going to be changing psychologically. Uh, so you really under want to understand your own, you want to explore your own sensory like abilities um, and combine that with um, your technical side. So it's just like, whole brain thinking is what you really want to focus on right. and less like I am this developer and this is what I do. That's more like, this is how I learn and I can learn anything. Yeah. I think it's important. Um, you know, you were talking about jujitsu and one of the things I love about martial arts is you're training your mind just as much as you're training your body. Um, mm -hmm. and that power comes from having control of your own mind, having control over your own emotions. And I think it's the mm -hmm. same thing when you are learning, you know, some of these technical skills and like you're getting ready for an interview, you know, in that interview, it's more about how much control you have over yourself and what you're saying than it is so much about what you can actually show right there. Yeah. I mean, if you panic, you, you lost already, right? right? You might have somebody that has a superior position over you. And if you're not calm, if you're not breathing properly, if you're not thinking about the move that you're going to make and the move that they'll probably make, if you make that move, then you've lost. And same type of thing, you might be in an interview and somebody who's interviewing you may inadvertently, in inadvertently say something that triggers you mm -hmm. from a negative emotional experience in the past. And it's important to exercise emotional control. Sometimes they do do it intentionally and then that's a bad situation, but sometimes it's an accident. So you gotta learn how to be calm, right? And it takes true sense to exercise emotional control when you have every right to lose it, right? Growing up, you know, you think it's cool to blow up on people and like go off on people, but that actually makes you look weak, so.
and the best fighters are, are cool, calm, and collected, and just right whoop your whoop your whoop your behind in style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so one of the things that you also brought up is, you know, especially in these interviews um, or whatever job that you're trying to get is learning the language and that's not just you know the words that you're saying but um also the non-verbals um and you know how you're Uh dressing and you Uh had this idea of you know dressing for the job you want how you dress is important so tell me a little bit about that and why you value that yeah um going back to like people wanting to feel comfortable around you um i've told a story before like where when I got into investment banking, like my, 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 my media perception of the dressing for the job you want is just like dress up in a suit and like be corporate. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I was in Chicago, I was in a suit and I was corporate. And I thought investment bankers wear suits, but in Chicago, I didn't realize that my, I didn't even pay attention to it, but my colleagues had button down shirts. And my review said that I was arrogant because I was trying to dress like somebody senior when I'm not senior mm-hmm. um which is kind of stupid but like it is what it is mm-hmm. and then when i got to the bank in atlanta i was wearing button-down shirts and i got the feedback that i was sloppy because everybody that was junior was wearing suits mm-hmm. all right so it's like you want to have your own swag so it's not like you want to like be a carbon copy of everybody around you but you want to understand like what is the fashion what is the like fashion says a lot Right, like vernacular says, it's like San Francisco has a like a lot of people wear beards. Like you got a beard, I got a beard. Mm-hmm. Right, a lot of people, a lot of people, um, like a lot of engineers love mountain climbing. Like coffee is a big culture here. Um, Burning Man, everybody like likes these different <laughs> things. And you don't, yeah, and you don't have to, you don't have to be something for everybody else. But once you figure out what your community is about, you can you can take their style and like put your own swag to it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Right. Cause like, you don't want to just like be driven by what everybody else is doing, but like you want to be able to adapt and interact in any environment. Right. If I go to a symphony, I'm not, when I was younger, I would do these things. and like wear a Jordan Jersey or something like that. And just like be the principal child. And everybody looks at me crazy, but I can like, go into a place with a tuxedo one and like, you know, be me and talk my own way, but, but still using the lingo and, and have a deep understanding of the music and, and perform and, and, and rise to the occasion. But, but I fit the part. I think like there's times when you want to stand out and there's times when you want to make people feel comfortable. There's times when you want to send a message on a t-shirt, right? You don't always have to be this like, person that's always trying to be different. I do think that it's important to be different because um, going back going back to being unique, you never want to be a carbon com- copy of somebody else. You don't, nobody can compete on you than being you, like what Naval says. But when in Rome, act like the locals do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something else that I wanted to touch on too was where you see education going. Um, obviously with these coding boot camps and alternative routes to, you know, acquiring marketable job skills, we have different ways that we can go about this. Um, and so I'm curious on what your ideas of education are and where you see it going in the future. Yeah. So I think that tech is taking over every industry. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that boot camps are the fastest way to get a high paying job in tech in less than 12 months. Corporate boot camps are coming, meaning companies themselves are launching boot camps. Mm. Universities themselves are launching boot camps. I think a lot of colleges and universities that don't adapt to the needs of the technology industry are going to shut down. Um, I think there's going to be a large amount of that. Um, I think student loans are at an all-time high, and we're going to see something similar to the housing crisis in that regard. So that's right. the 1.6 trillion um, student loans outstanding. The primary driver of boot camp growth is something called an income share agreement, which essentially is a promise to individuals saying, hey, Brandon, I will teach you how to get a job above X amount of dollars, let's say $50,000. If you don't get a job, you don't pay me anything. But if you do, the tuition comes out of the new salary. Mm. So I think, I think income share agreements, also known as ISAs, are going to be the big new thing, the big new option. I don't think that loans and tuition up front is going to go away, but I think the majority of people are going to do income share agreements for not just boot camps, but for everything, um, college, any skill set. Um, and while career commerce focus on matching people to coding boot camps today, because they're the first institution taking of share agreements in vogue, um, there's a reason why we're not called code karma. Um, and we're going to eventually help people get skill sets, um, across fields, across gotcha. fields through these short form models. Um, as more and more educational institutions adapted and we have deeper alumni networks across the board, um, in different, uh, skill sets. Um, I think that um, two to four years is too long in a tech-driven environment. I think that um, college is helpful for a lot of things. I think it's a smooth transition from being a young adolescent into adulthood. Yeah. A lot of people aren't ready for the workforce maturity-wise, so it does expose you to different people um, across subjects, um, across ages, at different levels, um, and it exposes you to things that you didn't know exist that um that you may not have been exposed to when you were younger growing up um and it gives you permission to be young a little bit longer right you don't have to work full time right right and i think that like um some people say they want to be an adult but they're not ready for that yeah right um with that said i don't think a lot of people have that choice a lot of people got to grow up fast right and so i think what we're going to see is education go back to the earlier industrial revolutions where vocational training was a thing mm -hmm. more than college. Um, and you're going to see apprenticeships popping up. You're going to see internships popping up um, because staffing industry is primarily focused on talent that currently exists. Um, but there's not enough talent to fill the open jobs. And so companies are going to have to build talent in addition to buy talent. Um, and individuals are need to, gonna need to always be aware of what the needs are of the workforce. And you're gonna see a blend between the educational um, industry and the workforce industry, which has always been tied, but for some reason, people don't treat it that way. Yeah, absolutely. So where do you also see the social aspect of, cause you know, you mentioned mm -hmm. when, like when you were going to college, you get a lot of, other skills you know a lot of social skills you're learning a lot of things there 
um, that you don't necessarily get when you do, say, like an online boot camp. You get it virtually sometimes, but it's not the same as being in person next to that other person up at 3 a.m. writing that paper, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of the reason why we created Career Combo um, and why we have the squads, because like to your point, there's been 100 million learners on online courses in the last seven years with a 5 to 15% completion rate, right. which is crazy. And part of the reason why is because they don't have that accountability system. Um, the the ability to get unstuck and the, the discipline to make it all the way through the rest of the program. In Career Combo, we won't just match you with the right training, but we'll put you in a squad that could be local, right? So you can go to the community tab, filter by location, and find other people. Uh, where are you located? Uh, Spokane, Washington, so Pacific Northwest. Exactly. Well, you can find people in Spokane, Washington, and you have your Spokane squad. Mm-hmm. And... If you all want to be up at 3 a.m. working together, you could do it on Zoom like we are right now, or you could do it in person. I'm going to do it like that. Um, that is not the ultimate solution. Um, what I actually see that could be interesting is um, leveraging other overlooked institutions like libraries mm-hmm. or churches. Mm-hmm. Right? Arguably, the church has WeWork infrastructure with space that is underutilized that's not bleeding billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Right? The the church buildings, a lot of times are used one day out of the week and the rest of the week they're not used. And if you go back to the African-American History Museum in D.C., what's interesting is that a lot of our HBCUs came from the, the church. A lot of our businesses came from the church. A lot of our, um, our civil rights movements, slave rebellions came from the church. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of real estate that we can use to do, uh, things to bring people together. Um, but I think it's not something I've thought as deeply about, but career comma is essentially psychosocial support for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're not teachers, we're not schools. Um, but we are teaching you things. We're teaching you how to, how to work together, how to struggle, how to grow. Um, we're teaching you about life, um, and how to be mentally strong, spiritually strong. Uh, physically strong at times. Um, if you if you need um, guidance in that regard, and, and um, at the end of the day, we want to help people make the most important decisions of their career. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, you mentioned earlier in this interview um, being like feeling like you're a little chosen, or you know, here for a reason, and that we have a purpose. Um, and you mentioned mm-hmm. a few times of you know escaping death and having that sort of look back at it. So how do you view death and how does that create purpose in your life? Uh, that's a heavy question, my brother. Yeah. Very heavy question. I mean, I should be dead right now, to be honest with you. I mean, I think um, I've been through a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things. Um, I used to throw a lot of big, big parties in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and I, I was in different environments that weren't corporate um, where, yeah, frankly, I shouldn't be around. Um, not because I was doing anything bad. I just like was being taken advantage of like by people. Um, and after like maybe a third or fifth time, like almost running into like a loss of life. Um, my dad told me, why do you keep dying death? And like, you must be here for a reason. The paramedics came and told me you must come from a praying family because you should have died tonight. And that's when I started, that's when I stopped drinking, uh, I've been sober for almost 10 years. Um, I, um, 
I decided to get more spiritual and get focused and, and things started taking off from there. Um, I don't think you have to go through trauma to get to those realizations. You can like listen to this podcast and like, be like, Oh yeah, I mean, I am here, here for a reason now. Um, and I think that like understanding, like I, I believe in, in creation. I believe in, um, being here for a reason. Um, and I believe that even if I don't know what my purpose is, or even if I don't think that my religion is perfect, because every, every belief system has a gap that's filled by faith, right? I think that we should always be on a constant search for purpose, We're always on a search, on a constant search for meaning. There's actually a, a great book called Search for Meaning by Victor Frankl, right? It's a really, really heavy book, man. And matter of fact, if you go to the African American Museum, go to the Holocaust Museum too. It's powerful, powerful stuff. I think like if you look at, you know, what the Jewish communities have been able to do to rise um after tragedy, um, if you can see what a lot of spiritual communities have been able to do after tragedy. I mean, and even non spiritual communities, just like people that have banded together to rise together. Um it goes it, it goes back to defying the the self made made thing um, I think that if you're trying to organize but you don't have a cause or your cause is frivolous, it doesn't work right and so going back to being chosen, going back to purpose, I think about well, why have I been laid off three times like why have I been this misfit my whole life where Honestly, even now, like people talk about imposter syndrome, like a black guy that's running a tech company backed by Y Combinator that's raised millions of dollars, like that, like was strategic and planned and we've been working on this for the last few years, but like, it doesn't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. It's profitable, like, like, does it, like, it's, it's helping people, that's, it's venture back, like, it doesn't, it's weird, right? But weird is okay, weird, weird just means different. And I think that um, it goes back to being unique and like being chosen. And, you know, I know you're gonna ask me another question at the end, so I'll save, I'll save the answer for it. But essentially like, I think what we're, what I, I truly feel what we're doing career karma, what career karma is what I was born to do. Mm. Like people are like, oh, you're trying to build something to like exit and sell to like one of the big staffing firms or, or blah, blah. Like, no, like I wanna be the new player. And it's not about being the new player and nobody else wins. Like, I don't know if you saw the report yesterday, but there's over 157, there's 157 staffing firms in the U.S. that all make over $100 million. Uh -huh. Collectively, those firms make $90 billion in revenue. In the U.S., that represents 61% of the market. Technically, in tech, those 157 companies will be considered a unicorn because they're all hundred million in revenue and that 10X has a billion, right? But people don't talk about that. There's enough for everybody to eat, mm. right? It doesn't have to be a zero sum game, right? And so essentially, um, I, 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 um, I have a, something on my wall from Martin Luther King that says like, if you, if you feel as, as soon as you, I'm, I'm gonna butcher the quote, but essentially it says like, if you, if you, once you discover what you were meant to do, set off, set out at this very moment as if God Almighty called you at this moment in history to do that. 
that's what we did around this time last year. We quit our job and we we went after it. Um, and here we are. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So if people want to join your movement, join your purpose, um, and find out about more you and the podcast and uh, Career Karma, where can they find you? Yeah, I think if you want to learn how to code, become a software engineer in, in less than 12 months, download the Career Karma app in the App Store on your iPhone or on the Google Play Store. Um, if you want to find me, um, you can find me at Ruben Harris or Ruben Harris, R-U-B-E-N-H-A-R-R-I-S on Twitter, on Snapchat, on Instagram, um, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. If you want to email me, it's Ruben, R-U-B-E-N R-U-B-E-N at careerkarma.com. If you want to follow Career Karma on Twitter, it's career underscore karma. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash career karma. Uh, we drop two to three videos every single week. I'm going to drop one today. Um, subscribe to the Breaking Stars podcast. And most importantly, make sure you tap into all of uh, the Evolver podcasts as well. Awesome, man. Well, my very last question is how can we push the world to evolve? Similar to what I was hinting at before about like, and not having to be a zero-sum game. I think um, getting out of a winning and losing mindset is super important. There's a, a great book called Finite and Infinite Games. Uh, yeah, Finite and Infinite Games. Like the, um, the winning and losing mindset is a finite game mindset, right? Big thinkers have an infinite game mindset where there is no winning and losing. The... So the finite game mindset, there's winners and losers, there's rules, there's known players, um, and like, yeah, somebody wins or loses. With the infinite game mindset, there's known and unknown players, the rules can change, and the point of the game is to keep playing, hmm. right? And the reason why that's important is because there is no end, there is no retirement, unless you believe in the end of times, which I do believe in, but like, let's say like, let's just like use the, the mindset like we are here forever right if we're here forever then like what's constant in this world is change right and changes lead to problems which lead to solutions which lead to more changes which lead to problems a lot it keeps going and never ends never ends right so there's no retirement mm -hmm. right and whoever tells you there is it's like that's just a choice to stop right. which is fine that doesn't mean that like nothing's going to change around you and everything's going to be peachy for you. You know, you could choose to stagnate if you want. A lot of times you put a very nice, beautiful piece of metal on a shelf, it rusts. So like the less you move, the less you feel, the less alive you are. Right. right? Emotion comes from motion. Right. Momentum is power. So keep that going. Like um, some, I grew up seven day Adventist. I'm still seven day Adventist and Adventists are known to live for hundreds of years. And being outside, being active, eating healthy um, is super, super important. So if you want to live long, like, stay active, right? And I think that, like, if I was going to say to push push the, the world to evolve more, it's like collaboration over competition, adopt the infinite game mindset, recognize that there's enough for everybody to eat. There are winners and losers in certain things. But that doesn't mean it can't be friendly competition, right? Yeah. Like if we're all playing basketball in the league, you might beat me at a game, but that doesn't mean that 
I won't see you next time, right? And, we, and then I might beat you, right? And like, just because you won a ring this year doesn't mean I'm not going to ring the ring next year and that we all suck. <laughs> you know, it's like, we all still ball players, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, adopt the league mindset, adopt the finite, infinite game mindset um, and, and focus on collaboration over competition. Take care of your health. Uh, take care of your emotions, take care of your spirit. Um, there's a big thing right now. Everybody's talking about mental health right now. I would say what people aren't focused on is enough is psychology. So start thinking deeply about psychology, uh, which I, I know is mental too, but it's like, it's deeper. Like, especially around organizational workplace psychology, like what motivates you, what drives you, what makes you happy, what's your mm-hmm. purpose, why are you here? And then once you figure out why you're here, help other people figure it out and figure out how to work together. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that we could collaborate together, um, ask some of these questions to get people thinking about those, um, because I believe as well that it's super important and something that is going to help push all of us. So thank you, Ruben, so much for being on the podcast today. It was a wonderful chat. Likewise, my brother, man. Thank you so much for everything. And then we'll talk soon. Hey, you. Yes, you. I want to thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, then please open up your podcast app, rate and review. That's really going to help get this life-changing content out to more entrepreneurs just like you who are pushing the world forward. As always, my friend, keep evolving.